The key to life is imagination. If you don't have that, no matter what you have, it's meaningless. If you do have imagination, you can make feast of straw. Jane Stanton Hitchcock You're listening to Jammiest Bits of Jam. You're listening to the Jammiest Bits of Jam, a monthly storytelling podcast where we share fiction stories, true personal stories, and poetry written by girls, women, ladies, broads, birds, and bricky brave gals. Each month we choose a new theme and collect stories based on that theme, written by you, our listeners, and us, your hosts, Christina and Cassie. This month's theme is Feast. So Thanksgiving's this month. Yes. Said everyone in November ever. <laughs> At least Americans. Yeah, that's true. It's weird. October was the Canadian Thanksgiving. It's always strange to me to think that other people in other countries don't do Thanksgiving. Because it's such a huge deal for us here. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Even though tradition is, you know, the whole feast is at Thanksgiving, I think we have some stories today that kind of uh, take the idea of a feast and they turn it around. Yeah, that's the beauty of uh, asking for a general theme. You, <laughs> I mean, obviously we picked Thanksgiving for, or the Thanksgiving month for the feast theme, but people will send you all kinds of stories that have nothing to do with Thanksgiving, as you will hear. So yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a cool starting point, and to see what you end up with is really, mm-hmm. really cool. And it seems like this uh, jammiest episode is actually kind of on the dark side. Yeah, who knew? You know, it started with bright and cheery intentions, and here we are in the deep, dark caverns of the human psyche. <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your dead bird. <laughs> and enjoy the show. <laughs> First up, we have a featured story by Lacey Lemke entitled, Take Out. Rise and shine, Jim. The gruff voice broke through the darkness of the tiny room. Jim Tabor opened his eyes groggily and sat up. What time is it? He asked, swinging his legs over the side of the bed. He sat up, resting his head in his hands. Time for you to be up. Breakfast is ready. The gruff voice chuckled softly. What's for breakfast? Bacon, eggs, hash browns, biscuits and gravy, just how you like. It's oatmeal again, isn't it? Yep. Now come on, eat up. We'll need your strength for this evening. So it's still on? Thought they would have canceled by now. No such luck. We'll need to shower soon, too. Why bother? It's not like I have to really be presentable for it. It's for the family, Tabor. Now come on. I even snuck you a fancy coffee from that shop in town. What kind? Black with two sugars on the side? That's not fancy. It is for you. You're lucky I like you, Irish. The gruff voice belonged to Sean McDolan, a stocky tall man with red hair and a beard to match. His piercing green eyes stared down at Jim as he stood up and shuffled slowly over to him. Jim matched him in size and smart-ass attitude. They had become good friends since Sean had met Jim ten years ago. It was hard not to like Jim. Everyone did. He was the kind of guy you could meet for a few minutes 
and all of a sudden you're telling him your life story and how sad you are when your dog died. He'd listen too. He'd sit and listen and let you cry on his shoulder until you felt better. Then he'd try to cheer you up with a joke and a pat on the back. He was friends with nearly everyone at the facility, and many were sad that today was his last day. Hey, Jim! A voice broke from across the hall. Yeah, Pete? Where do you think you'll go after this? Hell, probably, Jim said with a laugh as he took the oatmeal and coffee from Sean and sat back down on the bed. He warmed his hands a little over the hot bowl before digging the small plastic spoon into it. The food here sucks. Well, since it's your last day, we're going to let you have whatever you want for dinner. Really now? Jim said with a mouthful of oatmeal. Let's see. How about surf and turf with a loaded baked potato, chef salad, chocolate lava cake for dessert, and a bottle of champagne? Jim took a sip of the hot black coffee to wash down the last of the oatmeal. And if that's what you want, you have all day to think about it. You get to pretty much do whatever today. If that's the case, I'll hold off on showering until right before. Gotta be fresh and clean for the family. They've come a long way, Jim. California isn't exactly a day trip to Chicago. Besides, you owe them this, and you know it. Oh, I know it. Don't get me wrong. I fully understand what this means to them. Martha's family was always just so hard to please. That's part of the reason she'd move all the way out here. Is that so? Sean leaned against the wall. Yeah, Martha was a straight-A student, athlete, first chair French horn, and got into Harvard. Once she finished there, she got accepted on an internship and started working at this fancy law firm in Berkeley. Somehow, though, that wasn't even good enough for them. They nitpicked every little thing she did. That's why when a position opened up at the sister firm over here, she leapt at it. Sounds rough. She was a talented woman, though. How'd she meet a deuce like you? I was a delivery guy for this flower shop. The office got flowers all the time, so I got to see her a lot. Man, you should have seen her back then. Business suits, hair in a big black bun at the top of her head, power heels, and a take-no-prisoners attitude. She was ruthless, and I fell headfirst in love. I was so nervous at first, I took some of the leftover flowers that didn't make the cut and made an arrangement for her. I dropped them off at her desk with a note asking her out. She called me that afternoon and said I was taking her for sushi. Sean let out a big-bellied laugh. He fell against the wall and wiped tears out of his eyes. Once he regained his composure, he righted himself and leaned in for more of the story. So I'm taking her to this high-priced sushi place. I'd never had sushi before. I was always a meat and potatoes kind of guy. So anyways, we're laughing and talking and drinking sake. When I dip my piece into this green stuff, that wasabi stuff, I'd never had it before. I didn't know it was spicy. I dipped a whole bunch of it onto my thing and popped it in my mouth. Ten seconds later, I'm crying and trying to drink the sake, but that only made it worse. The waiter brings out this paste and I slam the whole glob into my mouth and sit there regretting everything and feeling like a total idiot. What was Martha doing that whole time? Laughing her ass off. Again, Sean fell to the floor laughing and crying. This is too much, Jim. Holy crap! He said, gasping for air. Jim got up and walked over to him. He leaned against the wall and sipped on his coffee. Yep, I thought for sure I'd ruined everything. Once she was done laughing, 
She asked if I was okay. She paid for everything. Once we left, she said I was picking her up the next day to see a movie. Then a few years later, she said she wanted to get married. We got hitched, and that was that. Sean let out a deep breath. She was something, huh? That cancer, though, man, that had to be a blow. Yeah, yeah. It knocked us for a loop. She told me she would fight it as best she could. We had to tough it out. She was strong, though. She worked until she couldn't work anymore. And then she worked from home a bit. The traveling back and forth is what I think got her the most. She was just exhausted all the time. When stage three hit, she still didn't give up. She took up knitting and tried to occupy her time in between doctor visits. I did all that I could for her. I loved her so much. She was my whole world. I don't know if I could ever make it without her. Sean reached over and put a hand on Jim's shoulder. I know you loved her. You did the best you could. Thanks, Irish. That means a lot. Well, let's talk about something a bit more pleasant, shall we? Sean wiped a tear out of his eye. Have you decided what you're going to have for dinner? After talking, I think I'd like to have sushi. Yeah, sushi. A big bunch of it. A meal fit for a king. One of those big sushi boats shaped like a dragon. And some sake to go with it. I'll get it for you. You sure you can eat all that? You know, I never asked you why you did it, James. Why did you kill Martha? She said she was tired of fighting. Tired of being strong. She just wanted to let go. She told me to kill her, Irish. She told me to kill her in the pain. Jim, I just want to let you know that I don't think it's right them executing you for that. That's mercy in my book. It's not just that I killed her, Irish. I think they could have understood that. I think it was them finding her in the freezer that pushed it over the edge. Sean gulped hard. He broke out in a cold sweat, and his hands were shaking. Well, I'd better see about that sushi. See you later, Jim. He backed away from the cell slowly. You'll let me know if the governor calls, right? Jim walked over and sat back down on his bed. Sure thing, Jim. Sean hurried away. He wiped the sweat off his forehead with his large hands and picked up the phone. Hello? I'd like to place an order. Next up, we have a poem by Cassie Soliday, entitled Ice. If I can't speak, can you really hear me? See me, once an immovable force? Angle me to the window, open. Fall is gone, my favorite season. Sweater weather, warmth against my skin. Cotton cuddles, I'm so cold. Surrounded by nurses and doctors, loved ones long since past. Be calm, relax, they say. We'll catch up over hot tea soon. I'll miss the next Pixar movie, The Colors of Fall. Let me lie beneath the tree in the pastures of the farm from my childhood. Let me die there, not in this sterile room, not like this. Let me eat my mom's potato soup and snuggle in an afghan knitted just for me. Not in these scratchy sheets, white as my skin, ghostly. Not with liquid nutrients in the driest mouth. Who knew lips could crack? Ice, my only feast. I will miss the colors warm and the hope of going home. Lastly, we have a story by Christina Kishpaw entitled Last Perfect Night. 
The lioness crouches down behind some brush. She settles in as she watches an antelope herd graze. It's sweltering. Flies buzz around her face, distracting her from really focusing. She's done this before. Many times, in fact. This time, it's a bit different. This time, she's smaller. She's a lot weaker. She's alone. Her family. Her sisters. They're male. They're all gone now. She hasn't eaten in a week. Her last full meal was the night before her family was taken. She thinks back on it fondly. It was a warm night with a rare, cool breeze. She and her sisters had just spent the day stalking a zebra herd. Zebras are tricky to hunt. Their hooves and bite pack quite the punch. Many a lion have died from the impact of a kick to the face. They finally distinguished the slowest zebra. It had a limp in its leg. The poor creature was destined to be devoured by her and her sisters. They killed it quickly. She expertly took a hold of the back leg and tore flesh from bone. It brought the zebra down hard as her sisters descended on it, finishing the job. By the time the moon shone bright overhead, they had full bellies and their fur dyed pink from blood. They fell asleep all together in the tall grass under a healthy tree. It was the perfect feast. But that was then. This is now. She was injured, thinning, dehydrated and starving. She closed her eyes as fatigue swept over her. She could just lay down to sleep. She's done a lot of that lately. Sleep is a wonderful way to ignore the physical pain. There was a very large gash on her side. It bled for a long time. She couldn't quite reach it to lick it better properly. It came from the swipe of a bullet from a gun. Humans. She had seen them before. Usually they would keep a long distance from her pride. They would come in a vehicle, take video or pictures, and then they would go. Humans. They had never posed a threat. A group of them with large guns and shining machetes descended upon her family. They were not fast enough against the bullets. Her sisters were shot and then cut open. She mostly dodged the bullet that came for her. It opened her side, and she fell into a patch of thick brush out of sight. She came to and watched as her dead sisters were flung into the back of a truck, and their pride male's massive limp body was being posed to take pictures with. The pain in her bleeding side could not compare to the agony of watching her beautiful family be ended this way. She passed out again, right as they were taking a machete to her male's neck, something to hang on the wall. Now she will try and hunt alone. She knows she will fail. She's nothing without them. She's not strong enough. She's too weak to be accepted into another pride. She's starving wounded, and she will be alone for as long as she can survive. She laid her head down and closed her eyes. As she faded away, she could swear she could feel a cool breeze rustle through the brush, just like that last perfect night. This has been the Jammy Spits of Jam Storytelling Podcast. 
Episode produced in sunny Los Angeles, California by Christina Kishpaw and Cassie Soliday with music by Grace Sai. Follow us on Facebook at Jammiest Bits of Jam Podcast or on Twitter at Bits O Jam Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share this episode with your friends and rate us on iTunes. With your help, we can promote the unique voices of women everywhere. Check out our upcoming themes. And if you feel a spark, consider contributing to the show with your own story. We accept short fiction, nonfiction, or poetry. Here at Jamie Spits of Jam, we believe that every woman has a unique voice. Our mission is to build a platform in which to share these voices, and that is why every writer retains the rights to their story. You're welcome. And thank you. And thank you. <laughs> For more information, please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until next time, keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice. You're listening to Jammiest Bits of Jam. The first one might be the best one. <laughs> I think it was because like, you weren't like thinking I know, about it. I wasn't overthinking it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And then was that your stomach or my I stomach? Think, I think I don't know. It might have been mine too. So interesting. Both of ours. <laughs> Take out. Next up, we have a featured story by Lacey Lemke entitled "Take Out." Take out. Take. Take me out tonight. Episode produced in sunny Los Angeles, California. California. California, <laughs> California dreaming. <laughs> <laughs>